Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by My Two Cents Podcast, hosted by G2. Wrestling Highlights of the Week this week will be switching up a couple things. Instead of me talking about everything, how I usually do, where I go down each show categorically, breaking down what happened, dot, 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 I'm going to do something different. When I talk about Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, Impact, all the other wrestling shows, etc., I'm just going to be talking about the main focal points of what the show was trying to accomplish and what I thought about it. And before the episode is over with, I will be giving you guys a couple of things. One, I'll be giving you the matches that I think that you probably want to go back to and watch that you missed from uh, all the wrestling shows. That's one. Two, since we are in the beginning of Black History Month, I'm going to give you guys a spotlight on a wrestler that I feel that needs to be appreciated. And that will be continuing until the end of Black History Month. That's two. Three, Jacob Fatu, a member of the NOIE family. He is a newly... Uh, free agent of the wrestling marketplace, and I'll be giving you guys my opinion on where I think he shall land. And for to end this off today, I'll be giving you guys my predictions for NXT Vengeance Day, since it will be uh, airing Sunday night. So I'm going to give you my predictions for that show coming up. And I believe that's everything I'm going to be talking about on today's episode. So that's what's on the docket. So let's start it off. For WWE, uh, the main roster shows, this is... Coming off the heels of the Royal Rumble, we are getting set up for the road to WrestleMania. But one man we know for certainty will not be making the road to WrestleMania, CM Punk. On Monday Night Raw, CM Punk will come out with his arm in a sling, and he would announce to everyone that he's missing Mania. In the course of the Rumble, I tore my right tricep. And as much as I tried and I asked, maybe I can just tape it. You know, make it, maybe I can make it to Elimination Chamber. And I can try to win that, and I can, I can get my main event at WrestleMania, but it's just not in the cards. And I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me, because when I think of this situation and how much it bums me out and how much I have talked from the highest mountains about how my goal and my dream ever since I was a little kid was to main event WrestleMania, you know, maybe it's just not ever going to happen. Now, I didn't add everything that Punk said, because Punk gave a big long speech, but it was inspirational. He basically said, don't cry for me. Listen, I come out here, I entertain you guys while people are out there actually dealing with some actual hard stuff. And he mentions a friend of his who has cancer, who has a wife and kid, and he's been with his friend doing his uh, chemotherapy sessions. And he always sees him in an uplifting spirit. And Punk just, again, he talks about, yo, dog, this is nothing. I'm going to be back. I'm going to be stronger, healthier. And it's always next year. So Punk says all this, and then we get Drew McIntyre coming down to the ring. Now, Drew would get in the ring, and he would say a couple mean-spirited things to Punk. I've had my dreams taken away from me as well. I was fired from this place, and when I was listening to you talk with your buddy, Chad, I can relate to that as well. I don't know, you know what I believe in. I've went through some changes recently myself. I've never been much of a spiritual person, but I want you to know this. I prayed for this and it happened. When I got into that rumble, I targeted you. I violently assaulted you. I could not let you win that thing. Our champion, he's went down. He's taken the title as far as he could till his body broke. He's done a great job. Who's gonna take it to the next level? I couldn't let it be you. And you eliminated me. And I couldn't sleep that night and I was so angry with myself. Then I heard the news the next day. 
and I slept like a baby last night. You won the battle, but you didn't win the war. Mission accomplished, I exorcised the demon CM Punk. Now I'm gonna find a way into the world title match at WrestleMania, and I'm gonna go to the main event, and I'm gonna live CM Punk's dream again. Jeez. My heart hurts more than my tricep does. I'm gonna go rehab it, and when I come back, I will main event WrestleMania, but the first checklist is you. I'm coming right for you. So when Punk says this to Drew McIntyre, we get a little bit of physicality here. CM Punk, he would throw at least a couple forearms to Drew in the face with his own injured uh, forearm, the right forearm. And at that moment, you see Drew fighting back. Drew would headbutt Punk. Punk would get knocked down. Drew would stomp on Punk's arm. And he would look to do more damage to him, but out would run Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn would make the save. Sami Zayn would make sure that Drew couldn't do no more damage to Punk. And that was the end of this segment here. Drew, he would sit there on the outside of the ring and just watch as the people, the medics, and Sammy are just looking after Punk. And Drew would just revel in what he did to Punk. I like this new version of Drew McIntyre at first. Just like what? I'll say towards the end of 2023, he was always like the Bret Hart of 1997. I'm constantly going to say that. Bret Hart in 1997, he was always a guy that constantly got screwed, and he would let people know that he got screwed, so much so that people would just find him annoying and whiny. Same way that Drew McIntyre was towards the end of 2023. He would get screwed, he complained about being screwed from the bloodline and how everything's not fair, and now with this version of Drew McIntyre, he just seems more evil and more uh, vindictive and malicious. You already said he prayed for Punk to get injured. So he's taking credit for Punk's injury. And again, this is a great way for Drew McIntyre because now Drew McIntyre is in a great position to do the Owen Hart. Owen Hart, he broke Stone Cold Steve Austin's neck in 1997 on accident, but he broke it. But he ran with it saying, I broke Austin's neck and everything. He even wore t-shirts, had it on his uh, shirt. Drew, he could do the exact same thing. He could wear a shirt that says, I... Uh, Tour, Punk's, Tricep, all these type of things. It's all going to be interesting to see how Drew goes about it with this. That's all I'm trying to say. But Drew, he's hit money with this. And again, I hope CM Punk gets a rest that he deserves, the rest that he needs to heal up. And when he comes back, get stronger, better. And uh, we know we're going to get him going against Drew McIntyre. And also, by the way, they're running back the same playbook that they did with Cody, by the way. Um, Cody, he got injured when he came back to WWE. Remember, he tore his uh, peck, and we got that gnarly visual of him going against Seth at the Hell in a Cell. And what happened the next night on Monday Night Raw? He said that he was going to be out for a little bit. Seth and him shook hands. Seth attacked him from behind with uh, the kendo stick and even put the kendo stick right into the uh, chest of Cody, and Cody was out until Royal Rumble last year. I think we're going to get the exact same thing with Punk. Punk's going to be out for a good, they said this thing's supposed to be, uh, for an injury like this, four to six months. So we might see him before the end of 2024, or they might hold off on Punk until they really are comfortable with him coming back. But I say expect Punk to come back by the end of 2024. And if so, and if Drew hasn't left WWE by that time, uh, we can see Drew and Punk go right back at it again. But 
expect CM Punk, at least in my best interest, in my best belief, for him to hold a championship before 2024 is over with. That's just me. Now, with that, the next biggest thing on Raw will happen is Andrade. He will be up in uh, Adam Pearce's office. He will sign a contract with Raw. So Andrade is now an exclusive member on the Monday Night Raw brand. I was shocked by this. I thought Andrade would have signed with SmackDown because his wife Charlotte's on SmackDown. Even though she's injured at the moment, I thought he would still sign there because she's on there. But he's on Monday Night Raw. So we got that. The next biggest thing that we had was Bailey with Damage Control showing up on Raw. Bailey uh, talks about how she's going after Rhea Ripley, that Rhea would come out and she would get attacked by Nia Jax. Nia Jax would obliterate Rhea and Nia would tell Bailey point blank, you can go after EO, you can go after any other championship, but Rhea, that championship is mine. And you see Bailey just in the corner, just like cowering and she says well i'm gonna make my decision on smackdown so we get the decision from bailey on smackdown and you kind of already know where they were going with this bailey on smackdown would say that she's going after eo sky and what made that decision was she heard eo oscar and Kyrie talking trash about her in japanese and when she confronted them in the ring bailey spoke a little japanese to him and you saw them all like stunned when bailey spoke japanese to him and Bailey just was questioning him, asking more or less, Io, why did you start switching up on me when Kyrie and Asuka joined Damage Control? I was only trying to make this group better, and you guys constantly talk trash about me. That's when Asuka and Kyrie attacked Bailey from behind. Io didn't do nothing, but Io was cheering on the two ladies attacking Bailey. Bailey, being a vet at this, she knew the attack was coming. She had a weapon stored just in case. She went over to the steel steps, and behind the steel steps was a pipe. She grabs a pipe. She beats up on Oscar. She beats up on Kyrie. And you get this shot where Bailey's about to hit EO. EO has the championship about to hit Bailey, and they both stop and look at one another. And you see EO leave the ring, and Bailey says, I'll see you at Mania. So we got our first official match made for WrestleMania. It's going to be EO Sky going against Bailey. And that's going to be great. Now, the big question mark is, what are we doing with the Women's World Heavyweight Championship? Rhea, she, Rhea Ripley, she still does not have an opponent. More than likely, we're probably going to answer about that with on Monday Night Raw because Nick Aldis did say that him and Adam Pearce did have a conversation. So you can kind of expect some type of chamber match is going to happen at the Elimination Chamber to determine who's going to be the number one contender for Rhea's uh, Women's World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, the next thing to come out of this is... Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, he is the men's uh, Roy Rumble winner on Monday Night Raw. He would come out being excited, happy, because he is the first man, I believe, in 20-some-odd years to go back-to-back. He now joins the list of Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, and Shawn Michaels. Cody, he says a couple words on Raw, and then the World Heavyweight Champion, Seth Rollins, he comes out. Seth, he would be Keith Sweat in this type of moment, and he will start begging, in a sense, to Cody Rhodes to basically try to pick him to face him at WrestleMania 4, the World Heavyweight Championship. If you choose to fight Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, you're making a mistake. I think you should fight me instead. Do you know why? Do you remember why this title came to be? It was because every single one of these people was sick and tired 
of Roman Reigns. They were sick and tired of him showing up every other week, then every other month, then every six months, never defending the title, cheating to win every single time he had an opportunity to be an honorable man. This title is our title. This title is for us, it is by us, and we have built this title up through broken bones, through a broken back, through a blown out knee. We, we, all of us, you included, we have leveled the playing field with the World Heavyweight Championship. And so, I gotta ask you, man, what title do you want? Do you want the, the Hollywood title, the, the Hulk Hogan title, the, 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 the one for posers and frauds, the title for people who politic their way to the top? Or do you want the Dusty Rhodes title? Do you want the Workhorse Championship? the blue collar championship because that's what the world heavyweight championship means it is about who is the very best between these ropes now cody willis and seth talk and cody will let seth know that on smackdown he will be there and he will let everyone know who he's going to be going after what championship whether it be seth for the world heavyweight championship or Roman for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Now, when we get to SmackDown, this is the last segment of the show. We get Roman Reigns coming out there. Roman Reigns, he's surrounded by Jimmy, Solo, Paul, the bloodline. And before Roman starts getting into his business with Cody, he will talk about Seth Rollins and what Seth had to say about him on Monday night. And then he had the audacity to say that he was the guy. <laughs> You can't be running around here for two years in your wife's clothes and say you're the guy. And then he wants to say he's a workhorse. But three months in, he broke his back trying to carry that show. <laughs> and then he wants to attack my schedule. Oh, come on, this is simple. I work less than you, yes. That's true. Actually, I work like 10 times less than you. And I still make 10 times more than you. Now, Roman will continue on by saying, listen, that championship that Rusev is holding is not the championship. It is the second-rate championship. It is the second-best championship because everybody that has basically gone after that World Championship, Roman has already beaten. And he's mentioning Seth, he's mentioning the AJ Styles, he's beaten the Nakamura, he's beaten the Finn Balor. He has beaten Drew McIntyre. And in an essence, Roman Reigns is right. He's beaten everybody that, that has gone after that World Heavyweight Championship. So Roman isn't wrong on this point, but the World Heavyweight Championship is still a newly created championship. And it got to be reestablished. So I get the point of what Roman's trying to do here, but I don't want to try to knock the World Heavyweight Championship. But I digress. From storyline point, Roman Reigns is right. Now, Roman Reigns will go and talk about Cody and just make it point and simple. I'm not here to beg you like Seth did. Now, you only got two options. Either A, you go after the second-rate championship, or either you go after the first-rate, the top championship. And now, once Roman says all this, Cody Rose will come out. Cody will come to the ring, and he will tell Roman straight up, 
what Seth said on Monday Night Raw, I agree with a lot of it, but what I disagree with is calling the WWE Championship the Hollywood Championship. No matter what you want to call it, that is still the championship, and I still want that championship. That's still the championship that Bruno San Martino held. That was the same championship that my father held before it was yanked away from him. I still want that championship. So, there you have it. Cody, he already announces that he wants the WWE Championship, and you think that's it. You think you got our match made for WrestleMania, Cody, Roman 2, ta-da, we are there. That's where you'll be wrong. See, this is where WWE throws a fork in the road here. Cody would tell Roman, what does finishing the story mean to you? And Cody would basically tell Roman that finishing the story to him not only means taking the WWE Championship away from Roman, it's taking everything away from him. Because Roman says he runs this, he runs the ring, people behind the scenes work for him, the commentary, the fans, everything's his. Cody has been talking to special counsel this week, and Cody wants to take everything away from Roman. And the special counsel that Cody has been talking to is none other than... If you smell what The Rock is cooking. You heard it right. It's The Rock. The Rock will come out, and boy, oh boy, does it all come crashing down on all the Cody fans, including myself. Because now, I forgot to mention this, Cody does mention he's moving to goalpost. He's not going to be facing Roman at WrestleMania for the WWE Championship. So you can kind of expect that it's probably going to be Cody versus Roman somewhere, probably at the Chamber in Australia. That's where I'm thinking this might be headed. WWE can go in a whole another different direction. But Cody and Roman will not be happening at WrestleMania. That's already been solidified with what Cody said on SmackDown. And also with The Rock coming down to the ring. The Rock will come down to the ring. He will shake Cody's hands. They'll hug a little bit. Cody will leave. SmackDown would end with Roman Reigns having a face-off with The Rock. Now, the question for me is, what is going to happen with the match between Cody and... Roman. Is Cody going to finally win the WWE Championship? Or is he going to fail because of mischievous means from someone else? And is The Rock and Roman Reigns going to have their match at WrestleMania for the championship? I understand me as a fan, Rock and Roman does not need the championship. It doesn't. Point blank. But for me as a fan, I feel that the Cody fans that have been watching him do this whole thing, and the reason why he came back to WWE, at least he said in his own promo, the night after WrestleMania, well, night two, on Raw, he said, point blank, he's come back to main event WrestleMania and win the WWE Championship. Now, all those tasks didn't have to be accomplished at one night, because technically Cody did main event WrestleMania. He went against Roman last year in the main event WrestleMania. And now the second task is winning the WWE Championship. But you would think you would want to accomplish, again, both tasks on one night, especially with the way that you got gypped last year. So this whole thing is leading everyone as a fan into a big conundrum. Are we going to get Cody and Roman at the chamber and something crazy is going to happen, leading us back to Cody and Roman again at Mania? Or are we just going to get Rock and Roman at Mania point blank for the championship or without the championship. There's a lot of things what we're doing. 
I don't know what's going on, but that's the great thing about being a fan. When you don't know what's going on, you just be left out there in the wild, and that's where you should be from time to time. Because knowing certain things is good. Knowing the path where they're going is good as well. But sometimes that them adding a little shock or a little surprise can always spice up something, and it makes you, as a fan, be more be more questionable and be more surprised it also make you think more about the product it make you have these think pieces make you have the conversation about where you think something might be headed to and as a fan that's what you want a lot of the times always knowing things it's cool but you will like to be shocked and this one was shocking to me and again where where does this leave cody truly i don't know if he doesn't beat Roman at the Chamber, will he try to beg Seth for a championship match at Mania? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Where does this leave Seth? Seth might do the exact same thing. Seth might have to be in limbo just like he was two years ago. Where he has no match at Mania, he's going to have to find someone to challenge him for the World Heavyweight Championship to get a Chamber match. I don't know. But again, this is all interesting and it's all new especially with punk going down it changes the plan for punk and seth seth's gonna need a new dance partner it's gonna be interesting to see where they go with seth my vision is i say drew drew mcintyre versus seth rollins i did like somebody throwing this out there on twitter somebody said a triple threat match drew mcintyre sheamus not sheamus but sheamus will be nice too because we haven't seen sheamus in a minute but drew mcintyre Sami Zayn, and seth rollins the reason why Sami Zayn gets thrown in there because Sami Zayn was taken out by Drew. And with Sami Zayn coming back at Royal Rumble in the number 30 spot going directly for Drew, it makes sense. Trying to cost Drew his moment at Mania. And Drew's getting his moment at Mania being in a spot and probably winning a championship in front of a live crowd. Something that he didn't get to do. Something that was robbed from him. At WrestleMania 2020 with COVID, and also something at WrestleMania 2021 when he went against Bobby Lashley in front of the, a live crowd whenever they went back to being in front of a live crowd at WrestleMania. So, again, it's all going to be real interesting to see where the WWE Championship leads us and the World Heavyweight Championship leads us as well. Um, more in the WWE realm of the news on SmackDown, uh, Tiffany Stratton and Naomi, they both signed with SmackDown. Um, Braun Breaker and Jay Cargill, they would show up on SmackDown, and we would get some GM warfare here from Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis. Braun Breaker, he's in the uh, Nick Aldis office. Adam Pearce, he will walk in. Adam Pearce kind of tells Braun, I wouldn't sign that. You probably want to hear from what I got to say, my kind of deal. Come meet me on Raw, and we'll talk. Braun will tell Nick, I'm going to hold on to this. And he looks at Adam and says, well, I'll see you on Monday night. So Braun is expected to show up on Monday Night Raw. So we do get that confirmed. And also, Jay Cargo, she might be showing up on Monday Night Raw too because she didn't sign on no SmackDown either. As soon as Braun leaves, Jade comes in as Adam Pearce and Nick Aldis are having a dispute. She was supposed to have a meeting with Nick. And you see that, again, it perked the ears of Adam. And Adam tells Jade... I wouldn't sign nothing here from double O salesman over here and just hear from me. So again, I like the warfare of the GM warfare that we're getting from Nick Aldis and Adam Pierce as well. I would like for Raw and SmackDown as a competitive thing to come back. We already see with the GMs, hopefully as the year 
comes to restart after WrestleMania, we get some incentives on the Raw side and the SmackDown side. I want to see that kind of stuff happens, happen because we're already getting it with the GM. So uh, the spice and the uh, friction that we're getting from Nick Aldis and Adam Pearce, I hope this thing kind of continues on. Um, but that's about it on the main roster portion of the show. Oh, yeah, by the way, Judgment Day, I forgot to mention this. Uh, Judgment Day, they finally had their moment. Uh, at the DIY and Finn Balor and Damian Priest had their match on Monday Night Raw for the Universal, for the Undisputed Tag Team titles with Priest and Finn winning that. By the way, that's one of the matches that I think you need to watch too, by the way. I'm going to get to those matches later, as I already mentioned before. Um, Priest, Finn, JD, and God, Dominic will be in the ring. Priest will get a mic, he'll call... Truth down to the ring. Truth would come down there. Priest would try to talk to Truth, saying that he likes Truth and all these type of things. But Truth would constantly stop him from talking. And he would say how he likes uh, Damian Priest too. How he knows the Judgment Day is a family. And he would just start labeling different people of the family. He would say Finn's like the creepy uncle. Uh, Dom... I believe he like he's the younger brother, Priest. He's like an older brother to Truth and JD. He's like that cousin that nobody likes, nobody wants to speak to. Priest, he would find this stuff funny, but he would tell Truth again, "Listen, man, you're not a part of Judgment Day. You never have been. You know this, but I'm not gonna be the one to do the honors. I'm allow someone else to do it. And what he means by that is Truth is getting jumped." Truth would get attacked by uh, JD, Dom, and even Finn. Finn would put a little bit of boost to Truth. This would send the Miz to come down. Miz would try to make the help, try to make the save, but he'll get beat down by the Judgment Day. And you'll see both Truth and Miz laid out. And there you go. The Judgment Day stands tall. Now, on SmackDown, I have to say this because this all goes into the Judgment Day theme because I forgot to mention it. On Samantha, there was a fatal four-way tag team matchup. You had the uh, British Strong Style, which is Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, going up against LWO's Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, going against Legado del Fantasma's Andrew Garza, who brought the Carrillo, going against Pretty Deadly, where the winning team will be facing off against a selected Raw team next week on SmackDown, where the winners will be going against the Judgment Day for the tag team titles at Elimination Chamber. You had British Strong Style win this Fatal 4-Way match, so now they got to wait for the Mystery Team on Raw to face next week on SmackDown. I have a feeling it's going to be awesome Truth. The way that this whole thing's been building, I feel that Truth and Miz are going to win that. They're going to beat British Strong Style next week on SmackDown, and we're going to get Judgment Day going against Truth and Miz. And I think that Truth and Miz are going to beat the Judgment Day at Elimination Chamber, and then that's going to stoke some fire, stoke some heat into the eventual breakup of the Judgment Day, or at least the eventual kick out of Damian Priest out of Judgment Day. You can kind of see it's coming, again, just like with the Bailey and Damage Control deal that we got on SmackDown. I feel that we're going to do the exact same thing with Priest, more than likely after uh, Elimination Chamber close to Mania. That's where I think it might lead up to, and then we'll have to wait and see about that, but that's just my opinion on that. 
Now, that's the main roster side of WWE. On to NXT. The only big thing to happen on NXT was uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams advancing to the finals of the Dusty Cup when they beat LWO. So now the Dusty Cup finals has been uh, cemented, which we all kind of knew that was going to happen. It is Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin teaming up to go against Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams for the finals of the Dusty Cup. Later in the night, you see Carmelo and Trick backstage. You see Trick uh, talking to Melo. Melo constantly trying to tell Trick, hey, you need to watch out for Ilya. He's playing mind games with you. The same way that he did with Corbin whenever he hugged him and started uh, messing with Corbin in the mind. He's doing the same thing to you. And by the end of the night, you're going to see that I'm right. And we would get to that. Later in the night, you see Trick. You see uh, Ilya in the ring. Trick is talking to Ilya. Ilya isn't trying to hear this crap from Trick because he knows who's really stirring this. It's really Carmelo. You see Ilya trying to tell Trick, hey, you need to watch out for Melo because Melo was at the Rumble. He had his moment in the spotlight, but now he needs you because he's not in the spotlight right now. He doesn't have the championship. And with you, you have all of that, and he needs you because you have the spotlight. Melo can't stand not being in the spotlight. Long story less long. Uh, And he tells Trick, you need to be focused more on me and not on Melo. Because if you make up, if you mess up and you make a misstep, I'm going to capitalize on it at Vengeance Day. Trick will tell him, you don't have to worry about that because my mind is focused on you. Here's what's going to happen at Vengeance Day. Me and Melo, we're going to win the Dusty Tag Team uh, Cup and then... At the end of the night, I'm going to beat you for the NXT championship. Ilya would say that's a nice dream and may the best man win. And you see both uh, Trick and Ilya dap up. And you see Ilya bring in Trick for the hug. And when he brings in Trick for the hug, you just see Trick remembering what Carmella told him. You can see it in his face. He start like literally like spazzing out a little bit and he just like pushes Ilya off of him. And when you see him push Ilya off, Ilya has a smile on his face and Ilya gets attacked from behind. Not by Carmelo, but by Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. And you see Baron and Braun go after Trick. That's when Melo will come out. Melo will make the save. You see Trick and Melo beat up on Baron and Braun, uh, double teaming them out of the ring. You see officials come out to make sure Braun and Baron do not get back into the ring. And then you see Ilya get up. Ilya's face is all red. He's upset. And you see him start moving closely. But Trick will start stop Ilya in his way and just stare at him. And you see Melo just stop. And he's staring. And Melo's like in the crossroads. Melo's like at this perfect camera angle. Again, NXT with perfect precision. You see Braun and Barrett outside of the ring. You see Melo literally in the middle. Like right at the ropes. And also like close to Trick. And you see Trick and Ilya on the opposite side of Melo just staring at each other. So Melo, he has to focus on does he want the Dusty Cup or does he want to be a friend to Trick at this moment? And you see him just stop and stare looking at Trick because there's still this thing where we don't know who attacked Trick. We don't know who attacked Trick from behind. We're all saying that's Carmelo Hayes because Carmelo doesn't like not being in the spotlight. So, again, we're going to find out all this probably at Vengeance Day. Does Melo and Trick win the Dusty uh, Cup Finals, or do they not win that? Does Trick win the NXT Championship? Does he not win? 
I mean, we're going to find out all this. Does Mellow Cause trick the matchup? Again, all this stuff is going to be found out on Avengers Day, but I like the way that they ended the show with that and how that camera work was. I do like that. But that's basically it of the big things that come out of WWE as a whole. Um, so, yeah, that's my WWE portion of this. Uh, TNA, quite simple. They mentioned Jordan Grace participating in the Royal Rumble. They show a video later in the evening of the build-up to Jordan on that day of the Rumble appearance from her in her hotel room to her uh, being with her mother. The mother talking about how important this is for Jordan, how important this is for her to even be there to see Jordan have her moment. Uh, Jordan walking backstage. Even they show a couple of moments of Jordan Grace in the Royal Rumble. So I like that WWE and TNA still have something there. They don't give specifics of if there's a partnership with WWE and TNA. I hope there is one. But we'll have to wait and see as time will continue to go on. But I'm glad for Jordan Grace to have that moment. I'm glad for TNA as a company to have that moment. And uh, yeah. And I think also next week is the final appearance of... Trinity, Naomi being on impact because you have Jordan Grace and Trinity going against Giselle Shaw and Savannah Evans next week on impact. But I think that's the last time that she's going to be on uh, TNA since Trinity, Naomi has re-signed back with the WWE. So uh, if you like Naomi, if you like Trinity and just the first time seeing TNA, uh, I would say go look at it and check out uh, who Jordan Grace is and check out who everybody else on the TNA roster uh, is. Another big thing that happened on TNA was Nick Nemeth. Nick Nemeth, he would get beat up by Steve Macklin and the rest of the Rascals, which are Zachary Wentz and Trey Miguel. Nick Nemeth had a match with Trey Miguel. He beat Trey Miguel. You saw the Rascals beat up on Nick. You saw... Steve Macklin come down, so now we got this nice little alliance between the Rascals and Steve Macklin because they don't like how Nick Nimeth is coming into this company, and they feel that Nick Nimeth is basically using this company until, well, on to better, bigger and better things. So that's the thing that we're going on with this, and I like seeing that, and again, Nick Nimeth, he's my guy from Dolph Ziggler times to now being here. I hope he succeeds in TNA, and that's all the big stories that happened in TNA. Now we go over to AEW as a whole. On AEW, Mox is having issues with CMLL wrestlers. The CMLL wrestlers that came to Dynamite this week, they are Mystico, Masquerita Dorada, Volador Jr., and another guy, I believe his name is called Hichichiro. Sorry if I'm butchering the name. He has a match with Brian Danielson uh, tonight on Collision. If you're listening to this episode on Saturday, um, but... John Moxley, he had a match with Jeff Hardy. He beats Jeff Hardy, and in the midst of that match, he uh, throws Jeff into the barricade. Moxley has a stare down with the CMLL wrestlers. The CMLL wrestlers are not too kind with John Moxley staring at them a certain type of way to the point that John Moxley would get in the crowd. And at a point, you see, like, I believe it was Valdador Jr. pushing him, or was it Mascarita Dorada pushing John? John doesn't pay too much attention, but you could tell that they're aggravated with John Moxley. Once John Moxley beats Jeff Hardy, uh, he tries to extend the hand to Jeff. Jeff kind of like doesn't shake Moxley's hand. Still showing a little bit of aggression here. Hopefully we get another side of Jeff Hardy. 
a heel version, a proper heel TNA style version of Jeff that we were supposed to get before that got cut because of Jeff's personal problems at the time. Um, yeah, Jeff leaves the ring. You see the CMLL wrestler still looking at John Moxley. Moxley kind of makes a motion for them to try to hop over. They hop over the guardrail. They get in the ring, and you see a four hundred one beat down. You see the CMLL wrestlers beat down on John Moxley. You see uh, some AEW wrestlers come down to make the save. I believe it was Matt Seidel in 2.0. It was not the rest of the Blackpool Combat Club. It wasn't Wheeler Yuta. It wasn't Claudio. It wasn't Brian. They didn't come down to make the save for John. It was other people. So I hope they bring something into that in AEW whenever John Moxley has a little talk with the Blackpool Combat Club because they're supposed to be doing a trios match uh, next week on Dynamite. You'll see Claudio... Brian and Moxley teaming up to go against three of the four CMLL wrestlers. And hopefully John talks to Claudio and Brian and asks, hey, where were you guys last week when I got jumped by them? I Hopefully we get that because Brian and Claudio, I'm not certain if they noticed Moxley talking a little bit of smack last week about how this is a new start for Mox, how Mox is really going to put in the focus and like put in the drive to everyone to really like hang at his level, whether it be opponents, whether it be friends, whether it be uh, teammates. And when he said that, I thought, okay, so he's throwing out a challenge to his Blackpool Combat Club uh, compatriots. And I'm not certain if Brian Danielson or Claudio would even like Moxley even saying this. But again, it's all added to the story. Hopefully we get something there because I would like for some little infighting of the Blackpool Combat Club, but we'll wait and see with that. Um, Warlow, he almost injured himself this week. He had a match with Commander. Warlow was beating up on Commander, which he should, because Warlow is bigger than Commander. And when he hit a um, F5 on Commander, and he sent Commander spinning all up in the air, I thought at that time he should have pinned Commander right there. But he didn't. He still beat up on Commander some, uh, some more. Commander was able to get a couple hits back. But Warlow ends up beating him. He beats him with a powerbomb. But when he got Commander up for the powerbomb. You see Warlow's knee kind of buckle and tweak. And you see that Commander. Well noticed it. Warlow noticed it. Warlow had to catch himself. And stable himself enough. So he can hit the powerbomb. And he covers Commander. And you see when he got up and he started moving a little bit, you see him limping and everybody was like, oh no, let's hope Warlow is all right. Warlow, he tweeted out that he's okay. It would have hurt any normal man's knee, but I'm different. I'm going after the heavyweight championship. I'm okay. So again, we'll have to wait and see if Warlow is truly okay. I hope he is. I hope that he is all right. Because if he goes down, I don't know what to say for the Undisputed Kingdom because you got Adam Cole's already down with a broken ankle. If Wardlow goes down with a, a tricky knee, we only got three members of the uh, Undisputed Kingdom running around doing anything. It'll be Roderick Strong and Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. So hopefully Wardlow is okay. If he just has to rest his knee up for a couple weeks, he can do so because AEW, you only participate or wrestle one time a week if you're a certain wrestler. Warlow, I believe, is one of those guys. So he can rest his leg up. That's what I'm hoping for. Next up, Swerve and Hangman. They had their dealer's choice match this week where each person uh, chose 
the others wrestlers to compete against. Swerve picked uh, Toa Leona to go against Hangman. Hangman beat Toa Leona in a singles match, while Swerve, on the other end, he went against RVD, and it was a hardcore match because Hangman will let Swerve know that Swerve didn't read the contract. And in the contract, it stated that you could pick the opponent and the match stipulation. So Hangman picked RVD and a hardcore match for Swerve to compete in. Swerve did beat RVD, and Samojo was out there for commentary. And after the match, you see Swerve get confronted by Hangman Page. And long story less long, we get a match set up for next week. It's going to be Hangman Page going against Swerve. Winner will go against Samojo at Revolution since now in the rankings for the singles championship, Heyman Page and Swerve are number one and number two. So it makes sense for them to have this match next week to see who go against Joe because the rankings are back in play and it all coincides within the rankings of AEW. Uh, anything big else to come out of AEW? Oh, yes. Something controversial because it has something to do with Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer this week, he went on his uh, wrestling podcast with his partner Brian Alvarez and he said a couple of disparaging things about the House of Black and how House of Black kind of doesn't like to do business when it's their time to do business. Okay, of the guys, I know Daniel Garcia will do a job in a, in a match like that and I know FTR will do a job because they always, they, they, you know, Dax Harwood does a million jobs when the time, when, when, when the circumstances are right and Cash Wheeler's not adverse to it. So... You know, and Malachi Black never does jobs. And when this was going on, and I'm watching this, one of the things I was thinking when watching this is like, this freaking House of Black guys never do jobs. And and here's the other thing: it's like, because uh, I was thinking like, they may. What if they win this match? And this is going like, you know, they're like, like two of those three guys are going to WWE. I mean, they're going. As soon as they can go, they're gone, even though they were treated like shit in WWE. And they never do jobs here. They're still going back to WWE. And my thought is like, kind of like, why do you keep putting them over? Because we, we know they're leaving. Now, for people that are unaware of who Dave Meltzer is, Dave Meltzer is a guy that's been watching wrestling for mad many years, mad many decades. And he's a guy that, at first, he would get, reports or at least he would talk for people in the wrestling business knowing about the surprises who's coming into the uh company who's leaving a company what's the storylines coming up and all this type of stuff who's injured who's not that's what Dave Meltzer was known for now in this later years that's not the case no more he's known for just basically kind of stirring up a couple of trouble here and there at least online he spreads his opinion just like everybody else but his opinion happens to hold weight because at least in AEW's fan base, they take his word. Some of them take it as gospel. Some of them don't. And if he says something like this, which is disparaging, by the way, they'll run with it and they'll create this type of narrative. Now, the match that Dave Meltzer is talking about is on AEW Collision. Collision this past week, they had a, a trios matchup where it was the House of Black going against FTR and Daniel Garcia, where the stipulation was it was elimination escape the cage match, where the only way you can uh, win this match is if you or all your members of your team escape the cage. Quite simple, right? Now, as you heard, Dave Meltzer says that a couple people in House of Black don't like to do jobs, and he talks about Malachi Black, and he kind of says the same thing about Buddy Matthews and how 
they can't wait to leave AEW once their contract is up. Now, hey, you make up your own mind about whether they want to stay or not with AEW once their contract is up. Hey, once your contract is up, your contract is up. Whoever has the most money or whatever your uh, obligations to what you feel are important to you, whether you want to stay or not, that's all up to you. But while you're at a company, you cannot be trying to throw smut on someone's name like that. That's not fair and that's not right, especially when you have no proof of this. Now, it got to the point that even Buddy Matthews will come out on Twitter and basically say David Meltzer is wrong. He says for a reporter, he doesn't know much of do any research. And he means to say that he didn't do any research because he would post up his AEW record so far in 2024. It would say singles matches, zero and one. So it means he lost one. Tag team matches, zero one. Lost tag match. Trios matches, one one. So he's even. So overall 2024 overall ranking is he's only won one match and lost three. Brody King, he would even explain. He would explain the format, and he would say, funny how someone's opinion just becomes fact because they've been watching wrestling a long time. The format and stipulation of the cage match was always what it was going to be. It's not our fault the wording on the graphic changed. And even Will Washington. Will Washington, he's a guy who works as a coordinator for AEW. He would come out, and you had to say, that's not true. I usually don't comment on stuff like this, but before the idea spreads or gets out of hand, the wording change was just for clarity. It was absolutely escape rules when the first match graphic dropped, and he even shows photos of the match graphics. And he mentions how, at first it was Elimination Trio Steel Cage, another one it was Escape the Cage Elimination Match. And he was basically trying to say, yo dog, you had to escape. It's not that big of a deal. The graphics, people just messed it up. It was always a plan for them to escape the cage for elimination style. Now, with them covering all that, I just want to say this, and I've said this before. Do not look for these reporters to report everything right. They're going to get things wrong. But knowing someone's pushing an agenda, this is an agenda that they're pushing because they know AEW fans will run with this, and AEW fans will try to kill these people's career, and it will not be great. It's not fun. It's not fair to them. It's not right. I think Dave Meltzer owes the House of Black an apology for real. I hope he gives it to them. Uh, if he doesn't, I just will be upset and furied. If he doesn't give me an apology, if I was an AEW wrestler, I ain't going to hold you. I will text Dave and I will just put it out there on Twitter. I'll see you at Mania Weekend. Because you know that Dave Meltzer is going to be around Philadelphia for WrestleMania. For Buddy Matthews, his fiance Rhea Ripley, is going to be at WrestleMania. Buddy Matthews more than likely going to be there. So... If I was him, I'll probably see Dave somewhere. Me, you got to speak, homie. You got to apologize to me. Somewhere, some down the line for that. Uh, Malachi, his wife is Selena. She worked for WWE. I'm pretty sure he should be somewhere around Philadelphia as well. I would say, yep, I'll be right along with Buddy. Me, you got to talk, bro, because you're spreading some things out there that's not true. It's not right, bro. And you're going to cost people to look at me some type of way, dude. It's not cool. It's not right. It's not fair. You owe me an apology. You know what you're doing. So again, that would be me if I was a wrestler. Dave Meltzer, please apologize to these people. It's not fair. It's not right what you did. That's not cool. Uh, anything else that happened in AEW this past week? Oh yeah, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. They're still continuing their rivalry here with Brian not respecting Eddie Kingston. I like what they're doing there. We know we're going to get an Eddie versus Brian match somewhere down the line as a rematch. I can't wait for that to happen. Uh, any other big storyline-wise that's happening? Nope, I do like what they're doing with Tony Storm still. 
I like Tony Storm on commentary. Whenever Deanna Peraza has a match, uh, Deanna had a match with Taya Valkyrie. Deanna was uh, beating up on Taya. You heard Tony from time to time talk about different things, ludicrous things, but Tony Storm being the uh, 1980s kind of gimmicky character that she's in, it all makes sense for her. And again, I still got to give props to AEW, their production team. Whenever they put the camera on Tony Storm is always black and white. So I do like how they keep that filter and how they keep that always. So again, I got to give props to them for that as well for what they're doing. But yeah, Tony Storm and Deanna Peraza, they're still continuing uh, their beef. And also the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. I like the Acclaim and uh, Bullet Club Gold having their way. I would like to see how they include Juice Robinson in this. Is Juice Robinson going to be the guy that's going to try to like break this super group up? Kind of like be like, yo, what are we doing with them? Like that guy or is he just going to run right with the flow? Right now, I'll state it again. I hope they keep the super group together. I hope they keep it around until the fan base tell them, all right, yo, it's time to uh, kill the super group. Because I think there will be there will be a time where the supergroup will run this course. Right now, everybody is enjoying it. So a lot of people to have their fun with the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. And also the Bullet Club Gold uh, new theme song. That theme song goes hard, bro. It does. Uh, I believe that's it of all of the big moments that happened in wrestling this week. So now I'm just going to get on to the matches of the week that I did like from uh, the show's. For Raw, I like DIY going against the Judgment Day for the Unified Tag Team Titles. I like how that opened up. I like how they uh, worked with together, worked with one another. I like how DIY even pulled back a callback to their match with FTR when they had uh, Judgment Day, Finn, and Damian Priest in their respective finishing holds, and they almost beat Judgment Day the same way that they beat the Revival. And NXT takeovers to win the tag titles. They almost did that. Did that here, but that didn't happen. Uh, Priest and Finn they will retain their titles. Priest will hit a Razor's Edge, and then Finn will hit the Coup de Grace to retain the titles. That happened, so that was great. Uh, Gunther went against uh, Kofi Kingston, and he retained his Intercontinental Championship. Kofi and Gunther they had a great match. Kofi and Gunther was able to hang with each other. Kofi he has been in WWE. God. He's been in WWE for a decade and some odd time now. I believe almost what? Well, has it been 15 years, maybe, on the main roster? Maybe 15? Kofi's been on the main roster for so long, dude. But Kofi, he still is able to perform at the top level. And he just doesn't have the uh, muscle mass that he did have at that point. But man, still could move. He can still move around in that ring. He even hit a super uh, boom drop off the top rope on uh Gunther and I like that. I like how Gunther was hitting Kofi with everything. He hit him with a lariat, didn't put Kofi away. He hit him with uh just everything under the sun to try to put Kofi away. But man, Gunther and Kofi they had a good match on Monday Night Raw. I would suggest you go check that out. NXT, Mellow, Trick, Gordy's LWO, great tag team matchup to open up NXT. I like how uh even with the entrance you had Mello and Trick. They still had their combined entrance. And the people, they were cheering when it was Trick's time, when it was Mello's theme. You heard them booing Mello. So, again, it still adds a little bit of that. Uh, are they going to have Mello turn on Trick or not? I do like how they did that. So, that's cool. AEW, Hangman going against Tunga Leoa. And Swerve going against RVD. That was my match for, the, uh, for AEW, TNA. You had... 
Ace Austin and Chris Bay going against the Grizzly Young Vets. This is their first match in the match of three that's going to be going on in TNA. This was a great tag team matchup between two great tag teams. Uh, I suggest you go check it out. Again, TNA, great promotion. I'm going to constantly wave that flag at TNA. Go and check out this matchup. Seriously, they have a great tag team division, and GYV being a added inclusion to this division is a uh, nice little... It gives TNA a nice little bump. So, GYV going against Azos and Chris Bay. It was a great tag matchup. Seriously, go check it out. And on SmackDown, I already said it before, the Fatal 4-Way match. British Strong Style, LWO, Legato del Fantasma, Pretty Deadly. Great Fatal 4-Way matchup on SmackDown. Now, with the matches out of the way, let's talk about Jacob Fatu. Jacob Fatu, he has, not going to say been released because that's a lie. His contract with MLW has ran his course. He's now a free agent. So now, I hope Jacob Fatu will be able to go either to WWE or AEW. Or even he might even have a little bit of time in Impact. I'll say probably go to Impact until WWE is ready to have you. Jacob, that would be my best interest, at least for you. Um, Jacob Fatu, he's a big man. He's one of the guys that can move around. He's one, again, a Samoan. He moves. He's agile. He's a bigger guy. I wouldn't say he's as big as Umaga, but I'll say he's a slimmer version of Umaga. But he's able to move around, do all these things, hit a moonsault. I mean, he's able to move like a big man, but he's able to hit uh, cruiserweight-type speed and cruiserweight athleticism with popping off the ropes and all that type of stuff. He is a hybrid type of guy, Jacob Fatu. If you haven't seen any of his matches, go look up on YouTube who Jacob Fatu is. Um, But my best bet for him is, seriously, go to Impact, be in Impact for a little bit, and hopefully somebody with the Impact will talk to WWE and say, hey, get Jacob Fatu there. He needs to be there. He needs to be with the bloodline. He needs to be with his family members. And uh, that's what I hope Jacob Fatu actually ends. AEW, too much. There's too many people. He wouldn't be used as great as we need him to be used, at least in my personal, uh, at least in my eyes. So Jacob Fatu, please go to TNA until they need you in WWE, and then go to WWE, man. That would be my best, at least my best thought process for you. Now, since we're in Black History Month, I do got to do a Superstar of the Week. Superstar of the Week would be our truth here. And by the way, I did steal this segment from a podcast show called The Public Enemies. They do this. They did this. And I stole this completely. I got to give credit to them. They're three guys who are incredible podcasters. They have funny content. They talk about professional wrestling. So go give them a listen as well. But uh, yeah, the Superstar of the Week for me, since it's Black History Month, I'll go with R-Truth. R-Truth, man, he is literally the guy that everybody keeps on saying he does not age. And I gotta admit, my man ages a little bit, but he doesn't age like you know people age. You know what I mean? Because if you look at his time from WWF when he was K-Quick, then you look at his time in TNA, and then you look at his time when he come back to WWE, and it's in 2008 to now, you can see he's only aged, only slightly, not aged like completely like, oh my God. No, he's aged slightly from his younger appearance. That's all our truth. Our truth, he is a guy that just seems to not really age like that. But by God, he keeps himself in great physical condition. He's able to 
do anything and everything. Um, I do got to give him props for being the only uh, African-American to hold the NWA World Championship. And I'm going to say the only because I looked at their uh, recognized champions that held that championship. And he's the only one that I saw up there. They're going to say the first African-American to hold that title. But no, dog, if you look at that list that they have on Wikipedia, he's the only one. At least from my eyes, because I looked it up and down just to make sure I wasn't tripping. No, R-Truth is literally the only black guy to hold the NWA championship, and he did that in TNA. And this one, he just left WWE when he went to TNA, and he was under the gimmick saying that the man's holding him back, people are holding him back, he has a talent, and that's what TNA, they gave him the ball and they let him run. He became uh, NWA champion, he's a two-time NWA champion, as I said the first time. Any black person that's held that championship is still the only man of color uh, that's black to hold that championship. Uh, in TNA, he was with Three Live Crew himself, Road Dog, Conan. I remember that. That was my time joining into TNA. I'll say around 2004. I joined that group, that stable. It was nice to see that. Uh, when he broke away from there, he did his own little thing, and then he joined up with himself and Adam Jones, when Adam Jones was suspended from the NFL, he went to TNA and they won the TNA tag team titles, even though Adam Jones, he could not do anything like of wrestling, pro, like wrestling standards, because he was still under the NFL contract. Uh, so Ron Killings, R-Truth, he still had to move around and do things with that, leading him to team up with Austin Creed, or better known as Xavier Woods, or at the time, Consequences Creed there. Uh, until he went back to WWE. And then when he went back to WWE, he started doing different things. He came in there being R-Truth, the singing the what's up, being put it into little things here and there. He wins the U.S. title. Uh, he drops that. Then he ends up doing his thing. Him and John Morrison, they team up. They have their business. And then he turns on John Morrison. And then you see Truth have this Year of 2011, when you look at 2011, we remember the pipe bomb, right? But you got to remember, R-Truth had a great year in 2011. He got to main event, a, main event, a pay-per-view with John Cena for the WWE Championship. Even though, yes, it was a one-off, it was capital uh, punishment, is a show that nobody hardly remembers. But you got to remember, Truth main eventing a pay-per-view with John Cena, that's something that I don't think nobody had on their bingo card at all at that time. But our truth, he was able to carry that. He ended up doing himself and uh, Miz being awesome truth, being the renegades, is trying to just tear down the company because they felt that they weren't being presented in the right manner. Then you saw truth do the whole little Jimmy thing, and that got over. We all thought Homeboy had mental uh, issues. Even when people look at the little Jimmy stuff now, people can look back at it and laugh then. Well, laugh at it now. And even people are laughing at it then. Uh, to Truth then getting betrayed by Miz. And then Truth joining up with Kofi. Then him and Kofi winning the tag team titles. And then that gets split away. And then you start putting Truth in all these other little things. He does the mixed match challenge. Him and Carmella. They become a nice little uh, comedy group together. And Carmella, she had fun. She says Truth is one of the guys that she likes. And that, dude, how could you not like Truth? 
Truth teaming up with Goldust. Them having a nice little run as the Golden Truth. Again, even though this was during the winding down of Truth's time, in which we all knew that he was just doing comedy spots, it was still a nice little thing to see him and Goldust there. And you get these little moments where Truth, this is the beginning, by the way, during the Golden Truth era. This is about the time that Truth will come out and he'll just be interrupting promos or interrupting segments, thinking that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble and he'll uh, say that he's going to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match and he's not in there or he'll bring a ladder into the ladder uh, ring at the Royal Rumble, stuff like that. And then people have to tell him this isn't the Money in the Bank and he has to apologize, say my bad. Like, there's a whole thing, and this is, like, the beginning of that for Truth, which still carries on to this day, where we now do this whole Judgment Day business. But I gotta back up a little bit. When they had the 24-7 championship, him and Drake Maverick and Akira Tozawa, those three guys were holding up that 24-7 championship, where everybody saw that thing as, oh my god, what are you doing? During the pandemic time, they made that thing just be a nice little comedy, uh, situation that people actually enjoyed you got the comedy spot of truth interrupting drake maverick's marriage and his wedding to uh try to pin him there and they end up i believe there's a statement where drake maverick's with his wife in their honeymoon suite and they end up like interrupting that and beating him for the title there and running away with the championship there and all these other type of goofiness for that 24-7 championship, but man, Truth was able to make that something. Uh, and then, as I said, he goes on to do this thing now with the Judgment Day. He comes back from being injured. People love him. He's doing this thing with Judgment Day. He's uh, making JD's life hell in the Judgment Day, because JD is like, oh my god, what is Truth doing here? Rhea Ripley, she's not really dealing with it because she's doing her own thing, but Priest, he finds it funny. Finn, he finds it some funny. You see Dom, he has a little smirk on his face. The only person who's keeping, like, me mugging is literally J.D. McDonough, while Truth is being just funny with everything, saying that he's a part of Judgment Day. Selling Judgment Day merch. Uh, just everything out the book to just pop and make people laugh. That's what Truth is able to do. You put Truth in anything, he's literally able to do every little thing. I say Truth is literally on the same, uh, same borderline with Dolph Ziggler, where Dolph Ziggler you could put him in a opening segment of a match, the middle of the card, or even in the main event. It all works for Dolph. He is that piece you could place him there. Well, all truth, you could put him in any scenario and he could make it work. You could put him in a sad storyline, I guarantee you he'll get that over. You could put him in a happy storyline, he can get that over. You could put him in a serious storyline, we can put that over. I mean, truth is able, you wouldn't put him in any type of storyline, truth is able to make it work because truth is that guy and people love truth. So I like that we are able to get this from truth. I like that truth is able to get his flowers from people now because people are starting to see and appreciate Truth for everything that he is able to do. I mean, by God, Truth is the man. Like, literally. He's he's that guy. So, I want to give a nice little appreciation to our truth for everything that he has done. He's won countless of championships. He's done multiple things for the wrestling business. And I think when his time is all said and done, everybody will remember him for being a legit, one-of-a-kind character that I don't think a lot of people 
will truly know until they watch back his stuff and they'll realize how special our truth Ron Killings truly is. And again, I still appreciate that he is still technically the first only first and only black man to hold the NWA World Championship. So again, I appreciate that. I appreciate Ron Killings, our truth, the man, the uh character. I appreciate him and I just want to give him this spotlight and give him his flowers and uh thank you for everything. Thank you for the entertainment and uh I hope you and Miz are the next tag champions. Seriously. Now Giving off to the spotlight, the last thing I got to talk about before I get you guys out of here is NXT Vengeance Day. It is happening Sunday, so let's talk about it. We have Dijak going against Joe Gacy for the nose qualification match. I'll say we give it to Dijak. He's a big man. He hasn't been doing much in NXT. I mean, he's been in certain little feuds here and there, but he hasn't got a big win. Joe Gacy, he's just been going off the handle since he lost everything with his schism, and I think this kind of works for him even if he does lose to Dijak. So I say give it a Dijak. Joe Gacy doesn't gain nothing from this. Dijak, at least he'll gain something. Uh, Six-person mixed tag matchup. You have the family, which is Tony D'Angelo, Stax, and the debuting Adriana Rizzo going against OTM, which is Lucian Price, uh, Bronco Nima, Jada Parker, and they have scripts in their corner, Reggie. Uh, Usually, I would say we go with the family because Adriana Rizzo, she this is her first time wrestling in front of people. At least for me, I don't watch NXT Level Up, so she wrestled on NXT Level Up. I'm completely out of the loop, so this is to me her first match. Um, usually whenever this type of stuff happens, you go for the priest people that's going to be debuting. But I'm going with OTM. The reason why is four on three. If they get scripts out of here, Reggie out of here, then I can see the family winning. But I hope OTM does win. I hope OTM beats the family. And this gets OTM another step closer to going after those NXT Tag Team titles. Because I feel since Tony and Stax are uh, the champions, they need challengers. And I know OTMJ just had their match. But I want OTM to constantly keep their heads in that water or the revolving door of being the team that can go after the Tag Team titles. Since they're still new, but they're big and brawling type dudes and uh yeah nxt they need that around so i hope otm does beat the family uh obafemi going against dragon lee for the nxt north american championship man please obafemi obafemi big dude uh i don't see them having him lose not yet i think they're gonna have him have a nice little match with dragon lee not little i think they're probably gonna do what a 10 15 minute matchup uh but obafemi he's gonna beat dragon lee to retain the championship Lyra Valkyria going against Roxanne Perez for the NXT Women's Championship. I think Lyra is going to win, but I think that she's going to win due to Tatum Paxley's help. And Lyra is not going to like it after the fact. I think Tatum's going to cost Roxanne and they're going to play a replay of it. And Lyra is just going to be more upset with Tatum. Because right now, the story that they're going with Lyra and Tatum is the Mickey James Tristratus storyline that they ran, I believe, in what? 2000 and what five like the whole obsessive fan type deal i think that's what they were doing with lyra and tatum so lyra's gonna win thanks to tatum's help and lyra's not gonna know until they play a replay of that uh the dusty tag team classic the finals baron and braun going against carmelo and trick if it was up to me me personally 
I think, and I think this is where they're going. I think we're going to go with Baron and Braun. They're going to win this because Carmelo and Trick are going to have a little bit of a friction between the two. And Melo, he just might even walk out on Trick because he thinks that Trick might think that he knows better than him. And that might cost them the matchup and having Braun and Baron win the matchup. And they'd be getting a future NXT Tag Team Championship opportunity. So I have Baron and Braun winning the Dusty Tag Team Classic. And also the people are liking Baron and Braun. So it's a win-win right there. And then we get to the main event, Ilya and Trick. I think Ilya's going to retain the championship. If they give Trick the championship, I will be pleasantly surprised. Um, so again, I'm I'm all into the surprise, but I think they're going to go with Ilya. Ilya and Trick, they're going to have a great match with one another. But I think Ilya is going to be the guy to hold on to his championship. That's just me personally. And I think Carmelo, he's going to be out there, cause a distraction by accident. And that's going to make Trick to lose. And I think by the end of the night, we're probably going to see the person that attack Trick Williams, whether it is Carmelo or it was someone that Carmelo paid off to attack Trick Williams. I think by the end of Vengeance Day, we're going to see who attacked Trick Williams because that's always been a floating thing. Who attacked Trick Williams? We don't know who did it. So I think by the end of Vengeance Day, we're going to get that answer. But uh, Ilya, he's going to retain his uh, NXT championship. Now, with all that being said, this has been your Wrestling Highlights of the Week. If you did not listen to my Sunday episode last week, it's called Get Out Vince. Also, tomorrow my Sunday episode, I'll be talking about things that happen in the news uh, out there in the world. And I still will be talking about a little bit more new details that have came out about Vince McMahon and the whole lawsuit that's happening there. So expect that to come out tomorrow my Sunday episode. Uh, Monday, expect me to drop the Vengeance Day review. So if you don't see Vengeance Day Sunday night, have no fear. You'll hear from me talk about that on Monday. Uh, If you did not listen to my midweek episode, it's available to you now. And that's it. I want everybody to have a great Saturday. Be blessed. Be safe out there. Have a great weekend. And you'll hear from me soon. Hell, we're the NWA Tag Champions now. Beware, coming for you.